Hello everybody and welcome to the Fetch Everyone Weekly Podcast. This is episode 11. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, blah, 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 blah. FetchEveryone.com is a free website for runners, bikers, swimmers and everyone else. Some websites put their best features behind a paywall, those cheeky little tricksters. We don't. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and then visit FetchEveryone.com forward slash podcast to leave your comments and questions about the show. And I'm joined here by Katie. I'm here. How are you doing? I didn't do my catchphrase last week and I know that my legs at least it, one think. person was yeah. not even disappointed, I don't think. Yeah. But If you've been affected by Katie not doing her catchphrase <laughs> last week, there is a helpline you can call. So tell us about your training this week, Katie. What have you been up to? This week, just gone, it's all a bit of a blur. Um, we did a nine mile long run last Tuesday, which went really well. It was very windy, we chose a slightly hilly route but we managed to not actually run directly into the wind very much at all with our route, just a couple of times. Yeah, we sort of went near buildings quite a lot which offers quite a bit of protection. We stayed away from Route 51 which is our sort of really easy long run route which goes out towards um, Willington and then Sandy and it's really easy because it's all off road, there are no sort of crossing of roads or cars to worry about, it's all just... Or ascent. A what? Ascent. Ascent. As in oh, ascent. The opposite of descent. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, there's only one little up and over uh, on that route. So we chose a hillier route because of obviously preparing for Sandy. And it went, I thought it was really good. We got on with it. We did it. Nine miles in the bag. Sorted. No dramas, really. Boom. Yeah. yeah so and your week's been a bit of a blur because aside from anything else, I've been snoring at night and keeping you awake. Well, I'm I'm a little bit tired. I haven't. It hasn't all been down to to that. I think um, preparing for the British Triathlon um, Level One course was a cause for um, making me a bit sleep deprived as well. Um, and then doing it, it was quite mentally quite tiring, and actually a little bit physically tiring, but mainly mentally tiring. Doing the coaching, being coached, having to think about what drills you're doing, where you're putting mm. your legs, where you're putting your arms. So you're going to do a blog about that? I'm going week, to blog or? about the BTF course and then we might talk about it a little bit more next week. Cool. You can find Katie's blog at fetcheveryone.com forward slash Katie, K-A-T-I-E. And if you've got any suggestions for stopping me snoring, um, then leave a comment in the <laughs> podcast thread. Please, please. Please do, yeah, yeah. For, for both <laughs> our sakes. Yeah. Um, my, run, my week was pretty decent as well. I did the nine with Katie and then I've done a tempo run uh, along the canal up in Nottinghamshire and that was that went pretty well although again it was really really super windy and normally canal water just kind of sits there and stares at you going you wouldn't want to swim in me would you mate um, but it was actually physically attacking me because of the wind I was getting hit in the face with spray from the canal that's how windy it was um, but the run itself went well I was really pleased with my splits uh, for that and I'm just building up the distance of those um, in preparation for Sandy and for all the other sort of shorter races that I'm hoping to do after that. I hope you've so, had your jabs. Yeah well I, I sort of kept my my eyes not closed but like squinted to stop anything mm-hmm. like going into them from the canal water mm-hmm. and, and sort of like turn my face away from the spray a little bit but Good. it was only one little <laughs> section where I was getting sprayed but it was quite mad actually. I was getting blown along actually physically blown along. I know people say, oh, I got blown along, but I did get blown along. So um, how far was asking about our hill rep session and if we did it together? 
um, and, and, and how that worked. And yeah, we did. So we kind of ran out to the, the starting point um, and then there's like an up and over and, and then you come back and we just sort of gradually got out of sync because of our different times. Yeah, so Ian is, Ian is quicker than me at the moment. Lost. And uh, so obviously we, we went off at the same time for the first rep. By the time I got to him, he had, I don't know, like maybe 30 seconds left of recovery. The next time uh, up and over was finished, he only had about 10 seconds of recovery. And I think the final time we pretty much switched over. And yeah. we were having a minute of recovery. So You had an altercation with two ladies in a puddle. I didn't have an altercation with them. <laughs> but they were walking alongside the puddle, a massive puddle, and picking their way really carefully around it. There was no space for me to go other than through, through it, which I'd have been quite happy to do, but I would have splashed them. So I, I just thought, okay, for the sake of being 15 seconds or 10 seconds slower, I'll, I'll not splash these ladies. So yeah, we did. We sort of re-reconciled at the end, and then, and then trotted back home. So it, it works for us. But speaking of uh, training, speaking of which, and yeah. uh, goals that obviously you have for your training, um, we've had some comments about that this week, haven't we? So um, how far and Sai both mentioned um, landmarks on their routes, and they would, you know, whether, whether it's running up a hill or running to the next bench or the big oak tree or, or whatever it is. I think we've all been there and, and holding on to pace or refusing to walk until a certain point. Just picking stuff out along along the way is a great way to do it. I know that's when my dad started running when he was 59. He, he will talk at great length about how he used to do exactly that to get himself going in the first place. Um, and he's still running now. So hello, dad, if you're listening. Right, and Swittle says that his his small goals whilst he's out running are mainly staying upright in the dark, always a plus, and avoiding quicksand when he's running on the beach. Following on from Cora's piece last week, where Cora had done that fantastic finish at uh, Rakhill Park Run, um, she actually asked, "Has anyone else done anything sort of funny at the end of races?" And we had we had quite a few comments, so go and check out the uh, the thread to, to have a look at those. But the one that I really wanted to pick out was Sweetie who, as a child, um, didn't understand the, the, the idea of a finishing tape at the end of a race, and she was winning, and um, she, instead of running through it, I love this, she actually hurdled it or jumped over it, um, which, frankly, we don't see enough of in international athletics. I think we should, more, more of that, please, or at London Marathon. Mo Farah, if you're listening, please try hurdling the finishing tape at the end. Yeah, yeah, bonus points. Yeah, we'll, we'll go out and buy some corn if you do that. We also had a few people who owned up to being international listeners um, on the on the thread. So we had XB, who is in the US at the moment on a gap year. Obviously, we've got Trin in Spain. How far is an international listener for about 200 yards while he nips into and out of the Republic of Ireland on his way to work? JCB is listening to us from Australia. Austra- Australia. That's my that's my Australian accent, just in case you're Coming wondering. Coming in now. Oh, and uh, ITG said thanks for the shout-out, and she's going to try and confuse things by listening from various countries in a sort of uh, crazy Phileas Fogg round the world kind of... Uh, mm. Is it Phileas or Phineas? One of them was the cartoon, wasn't it? Mm. Does it matter? No. <laughs> it doesn't matter, does it? No. Um, and a little shout-out for Kenilworth Half Marathon. They're another advertiser with us. 
So um, you'll, you might see their ad popping up on the site if you're anywhere near Kenilworth. So go and please uh, click on that link and go check them out and consider entering. So thank you very much. And um, some site features to talk to you about this week. I've been updating the sticker book. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the sticker book is just a bit of fun where every time you meet a fetchy in real life, you can come back onto the site and add them to your sticker book. And some people play hard. Um, I know there are some folks who have over 400 stickers. Um, I've met a lot of fetchies in my time and I think I'm on about 390 or something like that. Katie, do you collect stickers? Or? I actually went and looked at my sticker book and I realised I need to, there's quite a lot I could add for sure, but I haven't kept it up to date. So I, it would take some time for me to go through and, and add everyone that I've met. There is a feature on there where if someone has added you, then you get a little sort of yes. notification. So then it's just a case of like clicking on them and it, it's yes. a little bit easier than sort of trawling through. Only if your definition of meeting matches their definition of meeting. Yeah, that's the other thing as well. As some people were going, well, I don't remember seeing that person. And, and sometimes meeting <coughs> can be as much as kind of spraying someone with sweat as you run past them on the <laughs> other side of a barrier. Um, or it can be spending some lost hours in a pub drinking with them after an event or whatever. So mm. everybody's got a different idea. So don't be offended or confused if someone says they know you. Just just go along with it. So And the other thing that I wanted to mention was for Sunto users, our importer is now live and available for you to try. So if you've got a Sunto watch, go to fetcheveron.com forward slash Sunto. If you don't know how to spell Sunto, it's probably written on your watch, um, but it's S-W-U-N-T-O. Um, Sunto. Sunto. Mm -hmm. Sunto. <laughs> if you like. We've also got some forum and blog favourites. I've got a forum favourite and it's the Do A New Thing For Spring 2019 thread. I wanted to give this one a shout out because it appeals to me. Uh, set up by Sharky. Um, she was very careful to point out that it wasn't an anti-Lent thread, but it was an alternative Lent thread. And the emphasis, rather than on um, abstaining from something, is to actually bring something new into your life. And that could be a small thing like um, trying a different kind of tea bags. New tea bags. <laughs> too much so pop into that thread and let them know what you're going to be trying over the next few weeks yeah make that visiting that thread your new thing for spring how about that um, yeah I think that's a, a good idea yeah <laughs> oh poor Katie she needs oh. some sleep everybody <laughs> wake me up this week I wanted to highlight a blog again. I am an avid blog reader and I particularly want to mention Silver Shadow's blog. Silver Shadow is awesome, in case you didn't know that she is. But also her blog uh, this week was about 5k your way. And this is a relatively new initiative but it has been going in various places for, for a little while. This month in Bedford, we're having our first 5K Your Way at Parkrun on the 30th of March. Um, but Silver Shadow is our local ambassador or um, coordinator. And basically, it's about anyone who's been affected by cancer. So you may have had cancer, you may have a relative that's had cancer, you might be recovering in the middle of treatment, you might feel up to doing 5K at walking pace, you might not feel up to that and you might want to come and volunteer or just support or just be there and just come for the coffee afterwards 
whatever you want to do, but go and have a look at Silver Shadow's blog. It explains a little bit more there and a little bit more eloquently than I have done about what it's about. Um, but it's a really good new initiative um, and it's growing in, in um, numbers. So yeah, have a look at that. Awesome. And um, this week we've got two featured fetchies. It's to do with the Legends Trail, which is a 262 kilometer run in Belgium. And um, it's one of those runs where when you look at it on your training log, the site actually runs out of um, kilometre markers because the, the run is just that long. Um, and Sam Jelfs did that um, race just recently. He's put together uh, a piece for us explaining how that all went. Hello Fetchies, this is Sam Jelfs. I thought I'd record something of a race report for you on what would be the longest, slowest, toughest race of my career so far. Two weeks ago at 6pm on Friday the 1st of March, having passed through a kit check and a medical, I was stood in a car park in a small village in the Belgian Ardennes. With 82 other runners we formed the start line of the Legends Trail. This is the third race in the Legends Slam series and at 262 kilometres, roughly 163 miles, the longest of the four races. Coming into the race I was carrying an injury. Having picked up some knee issues in December at the 100 mile Bello Gallico race that was number two in the series. Combine that with the 6,700 metres of climbing, or around 22,000 feet if my maths is right for those that work in Imperial, and the fact that we live in an area where the biggest hill for 10 miles is a highway bridge meant that the best I was hoping for was to finish within the time cutoff. Legends is an unmarked trail, and this year the route was only released on the Monday before the race. That meant that there was no time to do a recce of the route, and whilst I knew some sections from other races, navigation was going to be an issue. The organisers provided paper maps, but between having the route on my watch and a handheld GPS, my plan was that I shouldn't need to look at them. There was only four checkpoints, with anything between 40 and 70 kilometres between them, and what on paper seemed like an easy minimum of four kilometres per hour. Something like 24 minute miles, that should be doable. After a trilingual briefing by the race director, part of the, which is part of the joy of being in Belgium, we were off. Within the first few kilometres you go from wide farm tracks, to single track in the forest, down to scrabbling your way along the banks of the river, something that was to be repeated many times throughout the race. To start with I ran alone, I normally always run alone, finding my own pace, but after, but after a while groups start to form. It gives a chance to talk with people, help pace each other and keep each other company. For me a big part of the joy of trail running over road running is that people talk, they help each other and they wait for each other. For most it's everyone versus the course rather than each other. Obviously there were the few at the front who are racing but that was not me this time. At around 35 kilometres we came into the town of La Roche where I knew of a late night corner shop given the chance to grab some extra supplies. Again I left La Roche alone but after a while catching up with someone I've run races with a few times now, and we began to get into the first checkpoint. With these races, it's good to have a routine in mind when it comes to the checkpoints. To start with it is okay, but as tiredness creeps in, it's easy to find yourself sitting with a drop bag full of clothes, food, and supplies in front of you, but the inability to make the decisions on what you should do. Should you change your t-shirt or not? How about your shoes? For me, it was a case of get in, sit down, and start with getting the electronics onto charge. My watch wouldn't last the whole race, 
so I took those chances just to uh, top it up. Whilst we were lucky in that the rain stayed away for the most part, the course was wet and muddy, not helped by the river crossings, and that made for wet feet. So it was off with the shoes, off with the socks, and try to get things dried out as best as you can. All the while, the amazing Legends crew, of which Raymond was one of them, are busy bringing over coffee, cola, hot food, and whatever else you could ask for. Getting out of the checkpoint and back into the night, it can be tough to get going. But after a while, the sun comes up, the tiredness starts to lift away. There is something special about that moment when you turn the headlamp off that really makes you feel so much more alive. You see the world around you, not just the narrow glare of the torch. I try not to focus on the distance, but run checkpoint to checkpoint. And at checkpoint two, something like 70 miles in, Raymond found herself in the unenviable position having to hair dry on my feet. With them dry enough that the medics could drain the blisters and tape them up and get me back out. The medics always seem a little bit too to take a little bit too much pleasure out of squeezing blisters and draining fluids. I'm not entirely sure it's healthy. Soon after the night came again, and I was back to running by head torch. And so it went on through the night, back to the daylight, and back to the night again. In the end, it was 7.40 Monday morning, nearly 62 hours after starting, that I arrived back in Mormon and at the finish line. Greeted with applause, a medal, and importantly, a box of beer from the small brewery ran by one of the other racers. So what are my takeaway memories from it? From running 260-something kilometres through darkness, through, through the days. The distance and the trails blur together after a while. But things like coming face to face with wild boar, the suggestion that, that don't try and outrun them but climb a tree if they attack, certainly not an easy thing to do halfway through an ultra. Or sleepwalking to the point of actually waking up from a dream and saying something stupid to the guy I was with at the time. They're moments that certainly stick in the mind. At one stage I found myself so sleep deprived, having only had 20 minutes sleep all weekend, that it took me 10 minutes to remember what I was actually supposed to be doing. I was walking, following the route, but I couldn't remember how it was you actually finished the event. What was I actually doing there, in that forest, in the middle of the night? But then there's the other side. The moment when you're sitting in a pop-up gazebo at the top of one of the few ski slopes in Belgium, albeit without snow this time of year, eating fresh fries and toasties in the middle of the night, suddenly surreal, yet very welcome. Sitting at 8am on a Monday morning, eating pizza and drinking beer is certainly something I wouldn't normally do, but oh, I enjoyed it. But there we have it, a race that left me with a bruised Achilles tendon, at least two toenails that shall fall off, and a, and a knee that refused to be a knee for at least a week afterwards. As one of the less than half that finished the race, I have to be happy. During the race I found myself saying never again. So I found myself saying to the people I was with, this isn't running, this is hiking at best. When can we get running again? This, this course is too tough, too technical. Yet now, two weeks later, I'm watching Facebook and the website, and I know that soon the sign-up opens for next year. But next year is not just the, the uh, 260km version, but the prospect of a 500km version to really try and break me. But first there was the last race of the slam to complete. A race with no end, where it's a case of last person standing, and where I have to cover at least 100 miles. Maybe that will be enough for a while. Oh, thanks, Sam. That was really good. And I think, aside from the the horrendous sort of 
physical exertion that you have to go through, it's clear just how much mental effort goes into maintaining the, the focus and the concentration whilst you're doing something like that. I've got a question for you though. Did you ever pretend that you were a hobbit at any point during the 61 hours? I'd really like to know whether you sort of gamed it like that. At some point, Ian is just hoping that someone is going to say yes to this Didn't question. Did you see any dark riders? Um, but no, awesome effort, really. And then from the other side of the 160-odd mile fence, um, we've got Raymond, who was supporting the, the entire event. Over to Raymond. Hi, Fetchies. This is Raymond. Uh, it's about 11.30 at night on Sunday, the 3rd of March, and I was going to talk to you a little bit about volunteering at an ultramarathon. As some of you may have noticed from my blog or from following Sam in the Ultra Thread or the trading game, this weekend is the Legends Trail, a 260k run around the Ardenna in Belgium with between six and 7,000 height metres, depending on who you ask. I think Sam's planning to tell you a little bit about the actual running, but he thought it might be nice to get some perspective from the volunteering side as well. So that's what I'm going to tell you. The race started at 6pm on Friday, and the cut-off time is 11.30 on Monday, which I think is about 65 and a half hours to cover uh, the full course. The first aid point this year was at 70k, and uh, there's a couple of timing points and a kit check, I think, in between there. Uh, so after the runners set off, we had a, a crew briefing from the safety team where they uh, told us what to do, um, what kind of was expected of us, how uh, how cruel we had to be to all the runners if they weren't sticking to the rules, and gave us GPS trackers uh, to keep with us so they'd know where everyone was at any given time. But then uh, it was a bit of waiting really, since it was going to take them a little while to uh, to get to the first checkpoint, so we had some hot food and there uh, some lovely Carol beers supplied by the sponsor. I wasn't routed to be on uh, checkpoint one until midnight, so I tried to get my head down for a few hours, but it didn't really work. And then as I was heading out, so I got a call from the safety team saying that a runner had fainted on the course, and my tracker showed that I was one of the nearest people. Could I go to the coordinates they'd sent me and uh, see if I could find him? As it happens, I met two other volunteers um, at the point where the road uh, was closest to the route. We both parked there, so the three of us headed off uh, about a kilometre along the course. To, to try and pick him up. It turned out that it was just a little bit of a kind of a sugar low that made him feel woozy. So after some restorative fizzy pop, he was able to walk back to the road uh, under his own steam and get in one of the cars to be taken back to uh, the start. Then they asked us to go on to the, the next point where the route crossed the road so we could check on the people who'd been waiting with him that they hadn't got too cold, and they hadn't. So then it was on to checkpoint one where there was some warm food and a medical team poised and ready to make sure that all the runners were, were fit to continue before they were allowed back out again, as well as doing some really expert foot maintenance. The, uh, the blister taping going on was really bordering on a work of art in some cases. All the aid points had uh, hot food and drinks and snacks to offer the runners, as well as the medical team and the drop bags that each runner had prepared. So life at the aid point mostly consisted of getting the kettle on, warming the food up and organising the drop bags by number so that they were easy to find as the runners came in. The runners also had uh, GPS trackers. On this race, everyone gets given one. I know on some races you can opt to have one or not, but for, for legends they insist that everyone has one, which makes dot watching quite entertaining and also means you can predict when, you're, uh, when people are about to hit the checkpoints to time your hot food preparation more accurately. So there's quite a lot of waiting around. 
uh, in between and then there can often be quite a rush as groups have been together all come in at once and some of them want to wash their feet and then we have hair dryers to get them dry again so they can get taped up others want to change nearly all their clothes quite a few of them want to have a nap but this year the race directors are being more strict about the, the no sleeping inside rule so if they wanted to have a nap they had to set up their bivvy outside the buildings where the checkpoints were based and it seems a little bit cruel when there's only one in there who's looks really dead on his feet and you think oh he could just, he could just lie down in a corner and it'd be all right but then when you've got a dozen runners and nearly as many volunteers there just isn't enough space for it so uh, i can understand why they wanted to really keep it being a living level playing field and not allow anyone to sleep inside the second aid point was at nearly 113k, so that's not quite half of the way around the course. The third was at 179, and the fourth was at 219. So they did get a little bit closer as they went along, for a given value of close. And then from the fourth to the end was barely more than a marathon, we kept telling people, although they didn't seem quite as relieved by that knowledge as perhaps they should have been at that point in the race. Uh, there were also a few, as I say, timing and kit check points interspersed along there. The last timing point was at 240, which I think is offering quite a few people a nice chance to kind of pause and regroup to hopefully finish the last 20k uh, nice and strong. The third and fourth aid points had showers and beds for volunteers as well, which was really lovely. Because until I got to checkpoint three at seven yesterday evening, I think I'd had less than three hours sleep in total since waking up on the Friday morning. Mostly kind of stolen naps under tables, uh, in the car, or at one point just leaning against a wall. I uh, dozed off for half an hour. Um, so it was good to have like a proper bed and a good few hours solid sleep and a nice warm meal. And at checkpoint four, I was even able to go for a little bit of a run, which turned into a little bit of a walk because I'd forgotten about hills. And then into a little bit of orienteering as I got quite lost and had to rely on the point me back to the start, please, function on my watch. Uh, and then had a very nice hot shower at checkpoint four before uh, preparing to, to start looking after the runners as they were coming through. And now I've just got back to the uh, start and end point and I've spent... 45 minutes working out what to say about uh, volunteering to you lovely people so i'm going to go in and have some more beer and then a nap and uh, hopefully i'll wake up in time to see vingariad coming in to finish early tomorrow morning before the cutoff so uh, i hope this has given you a, a little bit of a, a feeling if you want to know more about this race in particular you can look up the film when heroes become legends on uh, the old internets and download it for uh, free or however much you'd like to pay to uh, help subsidize the cost of making it or i hope that uh, some of you who don't really fancy doing the ridiculous running bit might now be considering the volunteering uh, and even those of you who do do the running bit actually might think about doing the volunteering because uh, it's quite fun it can be exhausting and exhilarating uh, but the people are normally very lovely, and these events really couldn't happen without uh, a good number of volunteers to, to man the aid points and the safety teams and uh, to make sure that the runners can get around safely. If you want to come and enjoy the Belgian countryside, I'm sure you'd be more than welcome at any Legends event. There's normally four throughout the year. But there are also some really great races happening in the UK, so hopefully some virtues will share links to their favourite ones in the comments on the podcast or in the, the ultramarathoning thread. 
and now I'm going to go and get beer. Well, I, I mean, I think you have to hand it to anyone who is crewing on any kind of ultra event. Really, we, we got a really nice perspective from both of them there. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, if there's anybody out there who'd like to make an audio contribution to the show, um, drop us an email, uh, podcast at fetcheveryone.com. You can attach your audio files to that, or you can just get in touch and uh, let us know you're thinking about it. We can't finish this week without we have to, talk We have to the... talk about the Six Nations. I would like to say, well done, Wales. I think they were the best team. I think they were really consistent, and they totally and utterly deserved to win it and get that Grand Slam. So just just fantastic, really. That My f- absolute favourite moment, aside from the fact that we managed to win, was Jonathan Davis walking up to Alan and Jones after the match the cameras are all following the players around Jonathan Davis walked up to Alan and Jones and he looked at him and he said thanks but I love you and it just encapsulated how the team have just been working for each other and, and sort of working really hard to make this happen so uh, I was really chuffed with that. For me the kind of really sad moment was listening and watching Owen Farrell after the England game because he'd not only had he had a really nasty bash, partly brought on by himself, at the end of the, the game against Scotland, but he was just absolutely gutted. And it was just the honesty of a disappointed sportsman, I think, um, who'd really tried everything to, to do better, and they just had... Scotland were amazing. I mean, every time I looked up, I, I just got back from the BTF course, watched the second part of the second half, and literally every time I looked up from my BTF notes, Scotland had the ball and were running towards the try line. I was like, what, again? Um, so it, absolutely amazing effort from Scotland, got to hand it to those guys, and it was really tough for them to have the victory just stolen at the end. But um, yeah, anyway, yeah. enough on that. We're going to have to stop talking about rugby now for about another six months. Yeah, we've the got, the, Cup, so. got the World Cup to look forward to, so that's exciting. Um, but if you've got any other thoughts about what we can what we can talk about in the meantime, maybe the international athletics is going to start getting going soon, so maybe we need to get a little bit more hot on that topic. So that's enough from us for this week. Thank you for listening, if you've managed to get this far. If anyone's had a little snooze, that's fine. If you're just drifting off now, we won't put any loud music on to wake you up like they do on the Archers. Um, But if you've got any audio contributions, please send them in to podcast at fetcheveryone.com. Don't forget to subscribe. Push and leave that us a button. review on iTunes. Oh yes, please leave us a review on iTunes and visit the thread fetcheveryone.com forward slash podcast with your comments, questions and suggestions. Um, and we'll see you next time. Cheerio. Do 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 do